I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, home of the modern whitetail hunter. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon. And today on the show, I'm joined by the one and only Dan Johnson of the Nine Finger Chronicles to explore the latest lessons that we've learned in our personal journeys raising kids to enjoy and explore the outdoors. All right, welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast brought to you by First Light. Like I mentioned at the top, we're talking kids today. And joining me to talk about kids is my buddy and longtime co-host of the podcast in those early years, Dan Johnson. And in those first few years when me and Dan were talking every week, frequently stories of his kids and eventually my kids popped up on the podcast. And uh, sometimes we were met with complaints about that. People said, stop talking about kids, just talk about deer. But uh, guess what, folks? We're still talking about kids because our children, and I'm guessing for those of you who are parents, your children are a very important part of your hunting life, of your outdoor life, fishing, whatever outside activities you love. I'm guessing you love, or at least you want your children to love getting involved with those two. And that's been something that's been on my mind a lot. I know it's been on Dan's mind and it's something we wanted to share with you guys here again. We've talked about it in previous episodes over the past handful of years, but now with kids that are on a wide spectrum of ages, I've got boys that are two and four. Dan has a daughter who's older and two younger boys. Um, We've got some more life experience to share and we wanted to share that with you. By no means are we experts. By no means do we have this figured out. This is merely a, here's where we're at. Here's what we're struggling with. Here's what we're learning. Here's what's working. Here's what's not. Here's what we are hoping to see happen in the future uh, as we try to raise these kids to be comfortable in the outdoors and to love the outdoors and to learn to hunt and fish and camp and climb and hike or whatever it is. Um, you know, my hope has always been that my children can can grow to love these wild places and wild things the way I have and that they can help enrich their lives the way those things have done that for me. So today that's what we're going to talk about. And it's particularly uh, relevant for another reason too, because my pal and colleague Steve Ranella just released a book on this very topic on May 3rd. The book's called Outdoor Kids in an Inside World, Getting Your Family Out of the House and Radically Engaged with Nature. 
And I've just started reading the book myself, so I, I can't give you the full review personally. Uh, but knowing it's from Steve, I know it's going to be good. I know it's going to be interesting. And uh, I imagine there's a lot that I can learn from it too. So check that book out now if you're interested in more on this topic. If you have kids yourself or if you're wanting to have kids in the future and you're struggling to think about how do we get these kids outside and off their phones and off of the TV and off of Instagram or TikTok or whatever baloney it is these days, uh, that book and hopefully this conversation can be a helpful starting point. So with that said, let's get to my chat with Dan. We're talking kids. We're talking the outdoors. We've got some funny stories. We've got some lessons learned and a little bit of everything else in between. Thanks for tuning in. Here we go. All right. With me, I've got the one and only Daniel Nine Fingers, Madman Big Beard Johnson. How are what you? What if buddy? I what if I changed my middle name to Nine Fingers? Honestly, I think that most people would really be supportive of that. It, it basically so? it basically is. <laughs> don't you feel like? Oh, I mean, if, no, if most people, I, if most people asked you, oh, what do you, what's your middle name? I think a lot of people would say, well, it might be nine fingers. It might, it, I guess I've never really thought of it until just now, which is crazy. Cause I think about a lot of random things, <laughs> but like the fact that someone's actual middle name is a, like a, a description of their body. Right. Well, do you so remember? It, yeah. Do you remember, uh, the, like, there's a number of like, pro sports players that have done this like uh chad johnson was an nfl wide receiver and he changed his name to his number he became ocho cinco number yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that could so be, be like it could, or it could be mark because right now you're still rocking the mustache right yes sir mark mustache kenyon see it, it, it's too fresh like the mustache has not become iconic enough for me I so gotcha. people people wouldn't see that and immediately think oh mark kenyon i think it's only gotcha. when only when your middle name is is such a stand-in for who you are as a person only then can you make that switch so so in gotcha. your case nine fingers i mean you really are the chad johnson of the hunting world um <laughs> you could totally do that <laughs> oh man i love i love that reference i'm the ocho cinco of the of the hunting yeah. industry. Nice. Yeah, man. I think that should stick. <laughs> what what is your real middle name? David. David. Okay. Mark David. Mark David Kenyon. That sounds like you're an elitist. You you sound <laughs> you sound like oh, oh, oh. Okay, well then <laughs> Today, what's yours? Keith. You sound like a freaking Dan- hillbilly. Yeah, it's exactly, exactly. <laughs> and that's correct. Like, I'm Daniel Keith Johnson. Yeah. I'm a mock David Kenyon. <laughs> we, we were we were named appropriately, Dan. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. How the hell are a, you? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm glad we're doing this. It's been too long. I know. I know. So how many people have already shut this episode off? You think? I'm hoping I'm hoping most because I always like to listen to the or I like to do these podcasts with zero pressure and zero inhibitions, knowing that there's no audience. So zero are, expectations. The, so we can really talk about anything we want. These are really the best. So how's your sex life lately? Oh, <laughs> don't, don't answer that question. Don't answer that question. <laughs> I was getting ready to. I was getting ready to. <laughs> Earmuffs. Uh, yeah, exactly. In in all seriousness, uh, what is new? Other than that, <laughs> anything? 
just just work, man. You know, it's uh, it's crazy. I was having this conversation with a guy the other day who he's not like full time into hunting. He does it kind of as a side gig, and uh, and I was just like, man, I thought I was going to be spending a lot more time outside and doing all this. You know, like obviously during the hunting season, I I can use the excuse, hey, I'm in. You know, I, I do this for a living so I can get out and hunt, but like, I want to go out and maybe turkey hunt more, or I want to go out and look for mushrooms or do more scouting. Instead, I'm, I, I spend a lot of time in front of a computer, especially this week and the rest of this month will be, uh, we're getting ready to launch a new website. And so, uh, it's, it's just like, it's back to the same kind of work that I was doing before I, <laughs> I, uh, got laid off, but I'm doing it for myself now, I guess, which is, which is better, but still I'm not spending that outside time. Like I want to. Which one of your bosses is more annoying, the old boss or the new one? Uh, definitely me. (laughs) Definitely. I'm, I'm way more annoying to myself than my old boss. My old boss was cool, man. He, he would pull me into his office and cause he, he was a new deer hunter and so he would pull me into his office, like in the middle of the day, and he'd be like, Hey man, can you come look at this uh, map real quick? Uh, so I, I got a picture of this deer here and I got a picture of this deer here and I'm trying to think about what he's doing. So he would actually pull me into his office and talk to me about like hunting strategy every once in a while. And so I, I thought I was getting pulled into his office and I was going to get in trouble but it was more of a hunting strategy conversation, which was nice. I actually have to now hold myself accountable for the work that I'm doing and to, you know, keep the lights on. And so I have this, the, you know, the, the Dan Johnson on one shoulder and the Dan Johnson on the other shoulder is like, you should go mushroom hunting and you should go scouting. And then the other one's like, actually you should uh, finish your work today. And then you should uh, go do some chores around the house and blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, Oh, both of you shut up. (laughs) Like it's uh. I don't know, man. It's nuts. All right. Now, I feel like, though, I got to go back to your boss because I feel like he was really doing you dirty when for years he was calling you to his, to his office and you were scared you were in trouble. But instead, he tricked you and was just talking about deer hunting. And then finally, after you trusted him, he did bring you in and lay you <laughs> off. I mean, that's like the ultimate worst. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, in a way. But at the same time, <laughs> I, I I didn't care that I got laid off. Right. So I think in a way it was the best thing for me. And, uh, I'll be honest. I probably wasn't an ideal, uh, uh, employee. (laughs) I mean, really? No, but I, I, I built everything that I have at work certain weeks when I wasn't busy. You said like this, you built this while at work. Yeah, exactly. I did. (laughs) I, I think in the early days when we were, when we recorded, uh, some of the, uh, original wired to hunt episodes some of those were in a unused uh i guess a conference room at work <laughs> yeah i guess that's not ideal <laughs> right right on the clock getting uh getting uh paid to talk about deer hunting <laughs> well he never listened to the podcast did he, or uh, did he? oh yeah he listened to it he, he listened to all of them i think well, hopefully not this one all <laughs> <laughs> right yeah i don't th- i don't know if he's listening to them anymore but i don't think he cares <laughs> So we're, it's a win-win. Uh, that's good. That's good, man. So you, you talked about the fact that you maybe don't hunt as much as you thought you were going to. 
I don't. Do you, is that actually truly? Do you really think that you hunt less now, or what's that look like pre, you know, new job versus old job? What's your hunting balance like? I wouldn't say that the hunting has gone down because I do spend a lot of time hunting. I would say the rest of the year has is not what I thought it was. You know what I mean? Like I would definitely love to go fishing more. I would definitely love to be scouting more and doing other outdoor activities like like today I, I wish i was mushroom hunting but i'm you know i got work to do so i you know this new website launch that i, I mentioned you know uploading all the, the the uh the podcast for the network and and all that stuff so it's like so it's like i wish i was doing it but i have to be an adult and and run a business and that uh i don't know that that is the, it's awesome and not awesome at the same time. If that makes any type of sense. It makes 100% sense. Yeah. And it's, it's also very, you could take that same answer and you could apply it to our topic that I want us to talk about today, <laughs> which is kids. They are awesome <laughs> right? and not awesome all at the same time. I think we can all agree on that. There's <laughs> moments of both. Right. Um, yeah, man. I, I know that when I, well, it's funny. I was thinking about this last night and I remember thinking about those early wired hunt episodes that we recorded and you'd be telling me about how you felt, you know, bad going on a big hunting trip and leaving your wife and your daughter home alone, or you felt like you want, you should be doing more of this other stuff or you need to do a better job of balancing or you were trying to figure out how to spend time with your daughter outside while also trying to get these things done that you needed to do to deer hunt. Mm -hmm. And I remember being so unsympathetic to that and being like, Dan, you just got to get out more. Dan, you just got to hunt up, more. Buddy. Dan, you yeah. just got to. And I, I got to thinking last night, I must have been so annoying. <laughs> so annoying. This this young, stupid kid with no kids of his own telling you what you should do exactly. as his dad. Exactly. And, uh, and now I understand so, so much more. Um, but that, uh, that first year after my first son was born, you, me, and our buddy Andy – Bradley did a podcast where we talked a little bit about raising, you know, what it's like having kids and trying to raise them in the outdoors and trying to teach them about hunting and fishing and camping and all these other different things that we like to do. So we did that when, when Everett was like five months old. And at your point, I think what Ava was probably four or five, maybe, or yeah, it depends like on how Mac. long ago. I don't know how long ago that this would have been 2018, 18. So that summer 2018, so I would have had my third depending on what time I would have had my third kid and he would have been just barely born. Yeah. So we are now, you know, almost five years on from that four plus years on from that. So Everett now is four and my second Colt is two. Um, and you know, this is my fifth year as a parent. So I've got a whole new experience set. Yeah. Now, how old are your kids? So you've got three now. Ava. What are the ages now? Yeah, Ava's nine. Mac is seven, and Knox is four. He'll be he'll be five in September. Yeah. So we've got a whole new set of, I think, learnings and lessons and insights. And we and we have checked in on this occasionally in the years since. I think we did another episode where we talked about this to some degree. But I thought this would be a good time to circle back. It's been on my mind a lot lately, actually. Um, and just kind of talk about where things are, what we've learned about this stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's actually become one of my favorite things to talk about. Yeah. And maybe it's just because so much of what I do is with my kids now. You know, right. when I'm thinking, I'm, I always try to I try to post something every day on Instagram. And I'm thinking, 
okay, what have I done recently? What's interesting? What's new? What's going on in my life? And it's always kid related. I almost I have very few, occasionally I do, but very few like interesting, like outdoor adventures that are just like gung ho badass shit now with just me. Yeah. I don't do much of that stuff anymore. It's like, I took my son to the river. We went through rocks or we took a hike or we went down to the boat or we shot his little bow, like all that kind of stuff. So I love talking about that stuff now, but I do think, man, I've become that old fuddy duddy who's just always talking about his kids and doesn't do any cool epic stuff anymore. But I, I don't know if I care. Yeah. I think I, I think I'm down with it, yeah. but it is a new world I'm in now. You know, I think you're probably in a similar boat, right? Right. Before I answer that question though, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you uh, what a, a guy who's already had kids go through high school. He's like, uh, I want to say he's maybe seven years older than me. And so he's in his late forties and he's like, you think, especially with it, like he had two daughters. And uh, so I, I got my one and, and she is going through, I guess what you would call the early stages of a womanhood and this, this huge surge of independence <laughs> and like, uh-huh parents don't know shit and I am in charge of me and I'm at the same time I have to fight back against against that on a daily basis and And she's only nine and she's nine yes and so this guy I was kind of explaining this to him and he was like dude you have no idea what's coming so I'm green to the teenage years, just like maybe back then you were green to just having kids in general. And so this whole life cycle of raising kids and he's just like, you know, just like get your laughs in now because a lot of pain and anger are coming your way. And so (laughs) you just need to mentally prepare for that and know that right now you have it actually pretty good. But, but a lot of joy is coming your way too, Dan. Exactly. It's going to be good stuff. <laughs> yeah, I know. So like, as of right now, I, I am in the mode of just spending time with my kids whenever and wherever I can. Okay. It's been a wet spring, right? So there's been a lot of, a lot of time inside. So whether that's coloring or, um, reading books or building Legos or whatever, whatever, watching movies, whatever it is, just sitting next to him and, and spending time with him. My, my oldest son, he is in sports mode right now. Like this past, this past year, like he, I didn't really know if he was going to be the, the guy who wanted to be, you know, competitive or if he wanted to be, you know, to, to some aggression or air, like not, you know, like it's good to be, I don't want to say cocky or arrogant, but there's got, you got to have some confidence, some competitiveness, yeah, competitiveness, yeah. some confidence. And so in the last, I want to say six months, he's found that. And so he is all sports right now. I mean, he, at every moment he wants to play foot catch. He wants to play football. He wants to play basketball for his birthday. We got him a basketball hoop. So he's in that mode right now. And he's not really focused. Like he's, he doesn't necessarily show a lot of interest in the out the quote-unquote outdoors he likes being outside and playing sports but when it comes to hey buddy do you want to go check trail cameras with me or do you want to go um look for some mushrooms he's not he's not really into that he's in the sports thing you know right now my youngest one he is in the like this dude is on a different level 
Like he, and what I mean by that is like, he marches to the beat of his own drum in a very positive way. And so like, <laughs> if he, he does whatever he wants to do, but when he's doing it, he's focused 100% on it. And so whether that's playing baseball or whether it's digging a hole or whether that's like trying to stack rocks or whatever it is, he's, he does that. And he, that's what he's focused on at that time frame, which is good. I, I, I think like the amount of time that a child can sit down and do something. So his attention span is fairly long. And, and to me, as any parent, really, if you can have a kid do something for a long period of time, you're not bouncing around from activity to activity. Right. So I, I'm not a hundred percent sure on, on what his mindset is. I know he likes to go on these rides with me every once in a while when we go out to the country, I'll give him the binos, I'll put him on my lap and we'll, you know, drive through the, uh, um, you know, the country look, just looking for whatever. Right now, my daughter, she is at the, the point now where she wants to do, go do things with me. And I want to go do things with her. Like, like to the point where, man, like there's days where I'm, I'm thinking about pulling her out of school for a day to go do some things because our, our week right now, I mean, we're, we're, we're loaded when it comes to our schedule, like Monday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday is an activity Saturday, Sunday activities, right? So we have all three kids in activities that were, we have our own activities that we do. And so trying to fit all that in, it becomes a little bit of a challenge, but she expressed she expresses interest. And so right now I'm trying to educate her and involve her in just about anything that I'm doing up until the point it becomes frustrating or, you know, for example, uh, last year I took her turkey hunting. And so I think she liked going with me, but she didn't quite understand that you have to be still. And you have to do this. So I'm I'm trying to do the education part of it, involve her as much as possible, but at the same time, not go to that burnout stage where sometimes people start to lose whatever the activity is that the, these kids want to be involved in, but they don't want to be involved at the same level that I am. And so that's the challenge that I'm facing right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. Um one of the things I've thought about a lot with my boys, especially with Everett, the oldest, who, you know, is doing a ton. Mm-hmm. He, both of them really want to do everything, with him, but Everett is old enough that he can really get after it. Um, and I've always had that same worry that you mentioned, you know, I don't want to make it not fun for them. So I always try to keep it fun, keep it light, make it enjoyable. And, and like you said, you don't want them to get burnt out or associate the activity with, you know, something negative. But at the same time, and I'm trying to figure out how you balance this. I don't know the answer to this. This is like a a parenting conundrum that I feel like I need to figure out over the coming years. I do feel like outdoor activities like hunting or fishing or hiking or camping or any of that kind of stuff, they're a really good learning tool or mechanism to like teach kids to push through adversity, right? To like get tough, to push through hard things, to learn to become comfortable in uncomfortable situations. 
So I'm trying to figure out, like, I know they do that. I know they did that for me. I know they can do that for other people. I know they can do that for my boys. But how do you, how do you do that? How do you push your kids to get comfortable with being uncomfortable while not pushing it too far? I don't know how to balance that yet, but that's a thing I'm thinking about a lot. Yeah. And I think that's one of those continuous learning processes that we all go through as parents, right? I mean, like every week it feels like I have to take a different approach to my kids on whether that's uh, congratulating them or punishing them or, you know, or commuting, communicating with them about something that they've seen or have done, right? It just, it's always, it's always different. It's always evolving. And so for me, um, for me personally, I've, I, my foundation was built on hiking and camping and, and things like that. And so, uh, and I think that's what ultimately led me to, taking some kind of next step. The door was there. The path was there. I just decided to take it into the, the hunting and fishing and, and outdoorsman realm when it was just the foundation of being outside and the foundation of knowing about nature and, and, and having a parent who was interested in those things too. Like my dad, he doesn't hunt, but he always was outside with us. Like, let's go camping. Let's go hiking. Let's go to a a nature center and look at snake skins and bugs and, and, and different types of birds in Iowa. And so that right there kind of led me to where I'm at today. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that I've, I've thought too, like that, that foundation of just general interest and excitement with the outdoors is, is so key. So, so we've been trying to as much as possible, you know, make those opportunities a part of our life, like in any way we can, you know, it's so if it's, we're going to go out to eat, you know, we might go out and do a picnic instead. Right. Or just, I mean, if we're doing activities, it's, it's nine times out of 10 going to be something outside. If it's a winter, we're going to go play in the snow at the park. If it's the summer, we're going to go throw rocks in the river. It's like all those little things, you know, one of the coolest things we did. Um, and I realize this isn't available everywhere, but we just were lucky. We had this, we have, um, a outdoor preschool uh, available in our area in Michigan where it's basically like a nature center um, that runs preschool programs and they're all like nature based and nature focused. And so the kids get there in the morning and the first thing they do is they go and do a nature walk around this, this nature center has got like a 300 acre property. Um, And so they go walk the property and they study worms and plants and trees and look for animals and they, use nature to teach different things. So they'll count rocks or they'll identify the different colors of flowers or they'll, you know, all these different things. Um, and so Everett just finished his first year of that. And that having that opportunity for him to be outside and learning in an environment away from mom and dad has been really cool too. Just yeah. seeing, you know, and it's it's two things going on, of course. There's the education, there's the socialization with a bunch of kids his own age. But then I think also doing that in an outside space has, again, just like we've seen him grow leaps and bounds. And now he's excited to teach me about something outside. He wants to tell me about something to do with how robins eat worms or where they make their nests or, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's just been really, really cool to see those those little things adding up to this larger you know, this larger love of the outdoors. And I think that's what I'm getting at. I think one of my main hopes has been that 
like I don't know for sure that my sons are going to like to hunt or that they're going to want to fish or that they're going to want to kayak or anything specifically. Um, and I don't necessarily want to pressure or influence them in any particular direction to do one or any of those things in particular. I think in general, my biggest hope is just that like, if I were to like, if I were to distill down my goals as far as the outdoors and my kids, I just want to have them develop a love for the outdoors and appreciation for it like and a comfort in it. And for that to be a place for them to explore whatever activity it is they end up gravitating towards. And so yeah. the, these little things, I think back to what you said, is all about like just getting that foundation of fun, of interest. And I feel like, especially today, maybe it's always been like this, but it seems like it's more important today. It's like, how do you establish that foundation before something else swoops in and steals their attention? You know, I mean, yeah. technology is the obvious one, right? So many kids these days are obsessed with video games and TV and the internet and social media and all that kind of stuff. So how do you get ahead of that? Yeah. But then even like when you talked about Mac with his sports uh, and I've got like nieces who are doing traveling sports now and like my niece is, I don't know, 11 or 10 and she's traveling all over the country already, and she's gone every single night for practice for the, for school, th- yep. some school sport, and then she's doing like club sports on the weekends. And I mean, their life is consumed yeah. with this stuff. And it's like I don't do that's something I worry about a little bit. I mean, of course, those things can be good, but uh, I don't know. Selfishly, I sure hope there's time left over to be outside doing these other things too, versus like this. Terminator style building our kids into Tiger Woods kind of thing that it seems like everyone's doing these days. I mean, does that worry you at all when you see stuff or not? You know, I, I don't, I don't think I'm going to, I'm going to answer this in two parts. Number one, we, this, it was actually this week, Monday, uh, we had our kids were having some behavioral problems. They weren't listening to us. They were, they were, being basically vegetables, right? They would go to a TV, they'd get pull up YouTube and they would just sit there and watch. And I went to every TV in the house and every device that they have. And I deleted YouTube from it. And so they no longer have access to that type of content. And I'm telling you right now in the last four days, they have spent more time outside. They have been, they have spent more time reading, coloring, uh, using their brain instead of just vegging out in front of a in front of a television, and so that was the best thing that I, I that I've done. It, it sucked that first day where they got mad at me and they're like, "You never let us do blah blah blah." But then the second day, <laughs> they 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 weren't even thinking about it. They were just like, "Okay, we know we don't have this now. Let's go do something else." And it led them to this other other stuff. You know, playing outside, playing basketball, you know, just being out outside. So now when it comes to sports, I'm trying to think of what I would have done if I wasn't in sports throughout all the, all those years, right. You know, whether it was flag football, whether it was starting tackle football or, you know, I even played basketball for a little bit, baseball things, you know, those things. And I think sports actually teach kids a lot about discipline and also being comfortable in uncomfortable situations like what you've, you know, said, like the first time I ever had to go up against someone who was bigger than me in a, in a football game, dude, 
you're uncomfortable, right? So you have to, it's, it's another way of dealing with adversity. It's another way of really finding out who you are as a person. Like, do you have the guts to uh, do something? Do you have the focus that, uh, you know, can you remain focused in a stressful situation? I think sports really does that at the same time. It's a, it's a, it's a great place to learn how to be around people who are different than you, right? Everybody's different. So you have a social setting there that I think is very important. Now, your niece, unless she is like D1 material, right? She's going to go to college, even at a lower level, and she'll probably play college. If, she, if she's any type of good and she has a passion for sports, she'll do that. The thing that I really like about sports is it has a, it has a shelf life. And so it's going to end up going away at some point in their life. And that's where the foundation even even sprinkled in the outdoors, even sprinkled in throughout all that chaos of, let's just say, sports or other activities, whether they're in chess club or computer club or band or whatever, all these things that consume a kid throughout the teenage years or whatever, all that stuff has a shelf life for the most part. And then they hit the real world and the outdoors is always going to be there. And not, and And I'm not saying, I say this, the outdoors is cheap for the most part. If you want to go on a hike, I can go on a hike a thousand different places for free. And so it, it has nothing to do with income. It's there. It's uh, There's access to it just about anywhere you want to go, camping, fishing, uh, hiking, uh, hunting even. And, and you can, you, there's access all over the place for, for that. And I think that if you sprinkle that in and you have a foundation when they were younger, then ultimately when all that other stuff's done, they will slowly drift back into that. And I mean, I'm sure there was a time Mark where maybe did, did hunting ever take like a, a, a back seat for you as a kid and it was sports or, or social activities. I mean, it certainly took a back seat. It was always something I, I really enjoyed, but it definitely was not like the full blown obsession during high school and college, you know, like I was still going out and partying or going and playing sports and doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. In retrospect, I look back on those years and I think, geez, I wish I would have been, you know, taking that free time I had. And instead of going to a house party or going to a football game or something, I wish I had, you know, instead road trip to Alaska or something yep. like that. That makes two uh, of us um, there, man. Yeah. But, uh, but yes, like, it was always a part of my life, a big, like it was like the biggest part of my life outside of like school or social or sports events during high school and stuff like that, sports activity, whatever. Yeah. Um, so yes, but you know, I, I hear it all. I hear everything you're saying and I recognize the truth in it, but I also deep down inside of me selfishly. Yes. am still hoping that, that my boys can Find, I, I selfishly, I hope that they can get all those things and that they'll want to get those things and that their interest would be more on the outdoor side of things. Cause you can get all those same things. You can fill up all your free time with hiking, hunting, fishing, or climbing or mountain biking or kayaking or rafting or whatever it is. So, so selfishly, and I don't, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing that I have an opinion, like that I have a desire and I, I I know I can't push this on my kids. I know that I shouldn't, and I'm going to try not to, but I'd be lying if I 
if I told you that I didn't kind of hope that they go that direction. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I don't, I don't know if that's okay or not to have that. Maybe that's a bad thing that I have a secret desire. I don't know. No, man, it, it's it's okay because I ultimately want the same thing. How cool would it be to be able, whether whether it's nine years old, seven years old, five years old, if you had this kid who was as diehard uh, about hunting and fishing as you were. And they would, they yeah. want to go out, dude, that is an excuse for you to go out and hunt as much as you want because you're involving yeah. the kids in it. Right. And that, that's uh-huh. ultimately what you want. But I mean, even getting into just like, this is my dream. <laughs> like, and this is what I think about uh, a lot is when, and, and I think about it for my daughter too. Right. But there's something about a son and a a father and a son, there's a connection there. And I I want the same thing for my daughter, but I think about it with my son uh, a lot. And how cool would it be? And maybe it's because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a guy, he's a guy, right? Maybe it's that connection too. I want the same thing for my daughter, but how cool would it be to just be like, Hey, uh, what are you doing today? Oh, nothing. You want to go hunt? Yeah, let's go do that. Dude, that's all a big buck (laughs) and have these, like me and you, we have these these, yeah. these strategy talks. Imagine someday breaking down a hunt with your son, and so it, cool. you know what I mean. Like, and, and having this in depth conversation because they've learned what they've learned from you, but at the same time, you've let them go. They've come back to it, and they've started the observing process, and they've started the 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 education, the self education to to come to the spot where then you guys can connect. And now your best hunting buddy is your son or your daughter. And the only person you want to hunt with is your son or your daughter. Like that's the ultimate that for me, that's the ultimate goal. But I think you have to give them that distance for them to make that decision up on their own. For sure. They've got to, they've got to choose that direction. And I've always thought that maybe it might not be hunting, but if they take a hanker into, I don't know, climbing or something, I guess I'm going to learn to climb. Yeah. Or if they get into mountain biking, I guess I'm going to buy a mountain bike and tag along for as long as they want me to go. And and I guess I'll, I'll, I'll pursue their pursuits as much as they'd like me to, to support those. You know, I, I, you know, one thing that, um, one thing I took from my childhood, which I found really helpful was, uh, um, my dad always told me he was always going to support the habit. So he was going to, if, if he found a thing that I was passionate about or, you know, excited about, he would spoil me in that arena. So yeah. in this case, when he found that I was really into bass fishing in high school, that was the one thing, like everything else I'd ask for, he wasn't giving it to me. He had work for it. I had to pay for it myself, whatever. But he noticed like, Hey, here's one of those habits that he's really angling towards specifically. Like he's really getting into bass fishing and he recognized that as a good avenue to the outdoors, even though that wasn't something he had previously been into. And so he saw this thing I was digging into and he said, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to, put some extra resources behind that one because that's where he's wanting to go. And so he got into bass fishing too. And you know, that's, that ended up being a great thing for me and for us, our relationship too. So I, that's, that's the thing I've taken with me and I'm going to be trying to do in the future is, is keep an eye out for where their curiosities and interests start taking them. And, and all I can do is expose them to a lot of stuff. I think yeah. that's where I am at this, at this stage in their lives is exposing them to a ton of stuff. And, and like we have done, we do a lot outside. Um, we've kind of revolved our entire lives around it. I'm right now sitting in my driveway at, in Idaho, looking at the mountains. And this afternoon, first thing this morning, 
the boys are up and that they want to go for a hike. And then later this afternoon, we're going to go take a walk down the river. We're going to throw rocks in the river and look for fish. And then later today, we're going to go take a hike underneath the mountains. And like that, we're doing our best to make that kind of stuff like daily. We're, we're making that a part of life and exposing them to all these different things, hiking and fishing and camping. And we're going to take them to a climbing gym next week. And we're going to take them to do these different things. And just like we're, do, we're taking the shotgun approach, shooting a bunch of stuff at the wall. And then we'll see what sticks. We'll see what they're really into. We'll see what they're excited about. Um, and then I guess then try to support that. Yeah. Um, but, but these early years, I think, is just making it fun, exposing them. And, and then I do feel like, at least for me, because these are the things that, that we love and that we're involved in, you know, it's, it's, it's easiest for me to teach through this stuff. So I'm not very good at like sitting and doing crafts. I'm not the dad who can like, I don't do that kind of thing. I can't even sit and like do, I don't know what city parents do with their kids and do some educational app or some educational game or something like that. I don't know. That doesn't resonate with me, but I can take my son for a walk in the woods and teach him about different things. Or like I was talking about the preschool stuff, like that kind of stuff. I can teach in that kind of medium. Yeah. Um. So I, I guess I'm, what I'm, I don't even know where I'm going with this, but I guess what I'm finding is that these early years, the outdoors is simply serving as a canvas to do a lot of different things, to teach, to learn, to grow a relationship together. And, and really it's just about being out there and seeing where the compass points you eventually. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a great approach. Now I think we do have to talk about something though, and that's for parents who let's say there's a, a guy who's listening to this and him and his wife, just like a lot of Americans are working all the time, right? They're just like, Jesus, man, my, my schedule is swamped. I work yeah. 10 hours or I work a, a night shift or I work and I'm tired and, and I want to go do these things. Like what we're doing is great, but there are people out there who like, like time is limited or, uh, opportunity is limited. How do you think that people should go about getting their kids in the outdoors? They know the benefits from it, but they just, man, they, they, they want it, but they just can't do it consistently enough as they, as as they would want to. Yeah. And I think you're right. That's a very real thing that a lot of people face. And, and I am super lucky that I'm able to do as much as I do. And I realize that's not normal maybe. Um, so my thought would be as much as possible is better than nothing. Like whatever you can get is better than nothing. And like you mentioned, a sprinkle here and there, even a dabbling, those introductions, even a little bit can come back down the road. I mean, that was even the case for me. I mean, even though as a kid, we did a lot of outdoor stuff, you know, it was never, I always describe like my outdoor childhood as a very pedestrian outdoor childhood. Like we didn't do anything hardcore. My dad didn't really know anything serious about hunting or fishing. Um, no offense, dad, if you're listening. Um, but you know, he wasn't like hardcore in any kind of way. He was just, oh, let's go out to the river or let's go to the lake for a little bit. And we never caught anything. And we're always like, ah, oh, well, at least you don't need to clean any fish. Um, or you go hunting and we never killed anything. It was like, ah, well, at least you don't need to gut a deer. Um, <laughs> and like, we didn't do like big adventures. It was like, well, let's go camp at the little city campground down the road along the lake. It was very local Michigan pedestrian stuff. So in a way I was just getting introduced with little sprinkles here and there. And then 
after college, just like you said, after college, I was able to spread my wings and I could then double down back into this thing that I had developed a love for based on the sprinklings through childhood. And then I just went super deep into it, took it to a whole different level. Um, and so I think I, I share that story because I think as a, a parent listening, who's worried about only being able to, to do the sprinkle approach, um, there's still hope for that. Like that's okay. Oh, yeah. Any introduction is better than nothing. And I, I will say a second thing though. So first off, whatever you can do is better than nothing. Like a walk in the park in the city is great if that's all you've got available to you. And there are real, still real benefits from that. Um, but a second thing I would say also is that, and this is something that kind of, this is like a virtue that was hammered home for me when it came to like just working and like, especially when I was trying to build wired to hunt as a second job, right. When I was still doing the day job, there's, there's always this temptation to be like, Oh, well, I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. There's all these other things. But if you were to do a very honest audit of your day, and I'm not saying this is true for everybody, but I think there's a decent number of people who, if you were to audit your day and look at how your time is actually spent, you're going to find there's an hour of Netflix or there's a half hour of reading a book or there's, uh, you know, two hours a week that you go to, I don't know, play intramural baseball with your buddies or there's uh, an hour here or there where you sit on your phone playing, I don't know, Animal Farm or on Instagram or Facebook or some shit like that. And if you were to really truly, truly look at your hours in a day and then say, okay, what is more important than my kids being outside? And then say, well, I don't think looking at Instagram is more important than my kids being outside. Or maybe me going and going to the bar once a week with my buddies, maybe that's not as important as my kids getting outside. I do think we could probably all, if we made the tough choice to prioritize it, find a little bit more time yeah. if we were to cut out some of that bullshit. Yeah. The stuff that we just do because it's fun or easy. But honestly, like I could even find times like that that I could cut out. So, so my one thing would be take a good hard look at your time and yourself and think like maybe, maybe there's an extra half hour I can carve out a week yeah. and prioritize this outdoor time because this outside time, man, it is just so good for kids, whether oh, you yeah. want them to hunt or fish or whatever, just being outside. It is such a catalyzer for, for learning and growing and becoming real human beings and there's this there's just so much. There's, there's a ton of research these days, Dan. I don't know if you've ever dove into this. I just wrote an article on it. I don't know if it's out yet. Um, and I've read a couple of books on this recently. But there's a whole host of research studies being done now looking into the the physiological, like true health benefits and mental health benefits of time and nature. Like it's not just that, like, oh, we like it. It's actually that being outside with like certain concentrations of oxygen with the um with the aerosols that trees emit these different chemicals that wildlife sorry the plant life emits into the air all sorts of different things actually makes us less stressed actually makes our bodies work better actually makes us do all these things we're supposed to be doing in a in a healthier way yeah so it's it's not just about having a fun time out there it's actually just plain good for kids yeah. so so i mean any little bit helps, I guess, is what I'm trying to say in a lot of different ways. Yeah, that's a fact. What, what's your take on that? Oh, I, I agree. You know, like you're and to, to boil it down even a little just a hair further, you don't need that research. I mean, go out, go for a walk outside and come back into your house and evaluate how you feel then versus how you feel before you went outside. 
and oh, it's, yeah. it's better. It, it doesn't, I, I would, I would say, unless you're like hyper allergic to some kind of plant pollen, <laughs> like <laughs> I would say anybody can go outside, walk in through your backyard or, or go for a walk in your town. Something as simple as that. You're going to feel straight up better afterwards. And so, I mean, my kids, uh, they sleep better. I'll, I'll put, I'll put it. I'll use this as an example. This winter, my two youngest, they would get up at the middle of the night and they would wake up and then they would try to get into bed with us. Now that they're able to get outside in a little bit of this warmer weather and run around, dude, they're sleeping through the night. They're well rested. They're less cranky. They are, you know, they're, they're using energy. They're breathing fresh air and it, and even their attitudes are a little bit better in certain times. So, uh, to me, that is enough. That's enough uh, information for me to to get them outside as much as possible, man. Yeah, so so true. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart, or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid, and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And, as often is the case, those guys were on to something. Because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised, grass-fed, and finished cattle. Heart and Soil's unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in, ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean, convenient, taste-free capsule. Find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time, Seafoam Motor Treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. And it's really simple. When you pour it into your gas tank, seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can into your gas tank and let it do its job. Now you probably know someone who's used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. Because people everywhere rely on it to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. So, help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. So, let's try to think back on some recent stories or experiences or lessons learned we've had over the last year or two as far as doing stuff with our kids outside, camping, hiking, fishing, boating, hunting. Um, let's just share some of the things we've picked up recently that have worked for you or me or that we've learned while getting out there and doing this stuff. Because I get, I, I, I imagine you get these kinds of questions too, but I get a lot of questions from young parents, you know, seeing something I've posted or something. And they're like, well, how do you, how do you actually camp with a two and a four year old without it being miserable? Right. Or 
you know, how, what are you actually trying to do when you take your son out there hunting with you? How does that work? Or when should you take your son hunting? Or when should you take, you know, your kid out fishing with a real hook? Um, whatever, like all these kind of specifics. Um, there's always, I mean, there's always these moving targets on all that kind of stuff. Um, but has anything recently happened with you, Dan, where you had any kind of light bulb moments in any one of those kinds of activities where you, where you realize like, oh, this, this really worked or this was something they loved or this was something that I got to do more of. Um, I don't know. Anything come to mind you? Yeah. So here's for me, I wanted to get it. I wanted to go check trail cameras with them. Uh, you would think that's a fairly easy task or I wanted to go mushroom hunting with them, which means they have to go into the woods. And so some of just the, the ability to, to traverse the landscape can be difficult for a young child, right? So this is where I've put a lot of emphasis on the fishing aspect of it because most of the time, uh, and I'm not saying every time, but if you have a boat, that's awesome. If you have, uh, and typically around, let's say a river or a, a, a public lake or things like that, you're going to find a spot where a kid can sit and not be in tall weeds and not have to go through uh, an entire timber or you know, like thorns or a whole bunch of vegetation to get to a certain place, right? It's easy access from a, from just a mobility standpoint. And so for me, what I found is that fishing is it. That is, that's the gateway drug to the outdoors from, from yeah. my kids. And it's something that you know, there's not a lot of bugs getting on them. They're, they're not getting too terribly dirty doing it. And then if they get bored, then they can go run around. Right. So that would, that for me, that's what I've observed is because it's the, yeah, you're going to have to give up your fishing while you're doing it. Like I don't even fish when I go fishing with my yeah. kids, all I, <laughs> I'm the worm master and taking uh -huh. help taking the fish off. Right. So I, I do those those things. And so when the, when the kids get bored, they can go run around and they can go play in nature and, and dig through the worms and, and things like that. And then when they come back, ah, I want to fish again. Okay, let's go do it. So yeah. it, the, that right there has been the, uh, has had the most impact for me. Uh, and of course, I don't think they know it, or maybe even I don't know it, but going through the, just going through the motions of going on a hike have been, Oh dad, look at that bird right there. Yeah. That's a cool yeah. bird. You know, like that, uh, you know, Hey, what, dad, what kind of tree is that? Well, let's pull a leaf on it off it and let's go look on, uh, on my phone or let's go look at the, the tree book at home. And so those it's just like the little things like that is really what has, has gotten, gotten them more excited to be outside. Yeah, man, I can't agree more when it comes to fishing being that gateway drug, yeah. just because it's for every, everything you said, it's, it's so, I think what, like interest in water is just universal. Like I don't, right. I don't know many kids that don't want to just play in water, like play in it or throw stuff in it or, you know, shake a stick in it or whatever. Like that's just plain fun, no matter who you are. Um, so I think you've got like a little extra handicap there like it's it's helping you out just because water is innately fun no matter what right and then you know like you said fishing can be 
if you're on a boat, there's a lot of good things going for you or actually trying to fish. Like that's a relatively easy way. I mean, shoot, throwing worms for bluegills or throwing, I don't know, worms or something for like a stocked rainbow trout in like a little pond or something like that. Like there's no easier bang for your buck kind of outdoor experience where you can almost guarantee a positive result, right? Like right. if you're in a spot with some bluegills, you can catch them. I mean, that's just so easy for a little kid to have like a super cool, exciting experience that they feel is like really awesome and hardcore. Yeah. I'm, it's hard to beat that. I mean, our last year, probably the best thing we did last year was buy a boat. We bought a drift boat for our place out in Idaho and all summer we would take off, you know, a couple minutes down the road, hop on a river with a boat and float down the river. And the kids just had a blast and, and all, all the different things we try to do. It was, it was like the least miserable in moments, right? I mean, like going on a hike in the mountains or something is cool, but there's going to be points of misery in that where the kids don't want to do it anymore or they're tired or whatever. Um, but floating on a boat down a river is hard to, you know, there's not a lot of bad stuff that can go wrong. It's mostly just relaxing. The kids can have fun. You can fish a little bit. You can stop and let the kids fish. Like I, like you were talking about, the kids can just run around or play when you pull off in the side of the river and play on the shore. Um, we brought just like, we did a bunch of things on the boat to make it kid friendly. So we bring a bunch of squirt guns. We bring a bucket full of rocks, tiny little rocks. And then the whole float down the river, they would just throw rocks and throw rocks and throw rocks. We cut up pool noodles and tied them on a piece of paracord and then tied those off on the side of the boat. And so all over the boat, there was different pieces of pool noodle on different lengths of rope that they could toss out there and try to hit things and pull it back and do different stuff like that. And I mean, we could spend 10 hours out there on the river doing that and they would want more of it the next day. Um, it was just like, it was such a fun thing. And it was like, it was, it was fun for them, but it was actually also still fun for me. I mean, there's sometimes when you're doing a thing with your kids where you're doing it for them and it's, it's not a ton of super fun and like, a what am I trying to say? Do you know what I mean? Like in a, there's no such would, thing as a, uh, family fun for everyone scenario. At least different levels of it. Right? right. Like, I mean, but there was floating down the river with a beer and the cool or with a beer and the koozie next to me and I'm rowing. Like, I'm just kind of like, man, I'd be doing this no matter what, whether I had the kids with me or not. Like, this is just nice. And then they're also, the kids are also having a great time too. So it was like, we're both at a 10 while other times it might be that, you know, my son's at a 10 and I'm on like at a six. Um, of course those things vary. I'm not saying like, I'm always not having fun with my kids. I'm oftentimes having fun with my kids, but that was one of those things where it was, it was easy for us all to be having a really great time. And I, I think trying to find more opportunities where it's like that, where everybody can be at a 10, like you got to kind of pick and choose your spots. Um, you know, like with hiking, we still try to go out and do a lot of hikes with our kids out here, but those, you really have to kind of carefully plan it out. You gotta, you know, like if I were going on a hike pre-kids, my, my wife and I would be like trying to get up high, way up in the mountains. We want like super epic views and really cool stuff like that. Um, but with kids, it's very hard to find spots where you can get up to like some epic view like that without having to go a very long distance or a very hard hike. And, you know, all sorts of things can happen in those scenarios where your kids are not going to be having fun or it's going to be really tough for you if you're hauling them on your back or something. So we've we've just had to be a lot more strategic in doing a lot of research or asking around or searching out, actually finding a few couple places where you can have like a pre-kid kind of hike 
but it's actually kid friendly as far as difficulty or distance. Yeah. So that's one thing. And then the flip side, I've also had to learn to come to enjoy the simple fun of an easy one mile walk along the river and say, you know what, that's our day and not feel bad about the fact that I'm not doing a 10 10 mile hike to the top of a mountain like I did 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, So it's been a combo of those two things, I guess. And I think knowing when to back out is important too, because uh, there's times where the kids are all gun ho about it. I'm gun ho about it. Let's just say it's a hike, like you like you said, and we're a hundred yards in to the hike or two hundred or whatever the the first hill, and and you see they've lost interest and now they're complaining and they're you know like I I th- I don't think they're I think the attempt is what is important, and then if they're they lose interest in something, you know maybe push just a little bit. But at the same time, you have to know, hey, man, we need to back out. We need, we need, let's go home. You know, we can go maybe play some basketball or do something else. Cause at that time, I know I, I've been there where, and you know, knowing the limits is what's, it's what is what's difficult because I've been on those hikes or on those mushroom hunts where, all right, now we're, we're back in a ways. And so that means not only do you have to go there, but you got to get out. And so now we're walking up a big hill to get back. And for me, it's not, you know, it's, it's easy, but for them, it's, it's more strenuous. And so that's, that is like understanding the limit and understanding when to call or quits is, is equally important. Yeah, very, very true. So on that topic, um, another thing I did think about was some of the little tricks I've learned to make those more enjoyable for the kids, I guess, um, or to convince them to go further, whether it's like shed hunt, a mushroom hunt or a hike or something like that. I mean, always having snacks is like the easiest oh cheat God. code for me, yeah. at least. Or promising I mean, them Dairy Queen. Yeah, 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 that too. But I mean, being able to kind of divvy out little bits of snacks and candy or something special along the way, that can always buy me an extra half hour or an extra mile or yeah. something like that. Yep. Um, like that's a thing. Like if I, if I ever forget that, I always rue it. I always <laughs> regret making that oversight. Um, another thing that was kind of hard for me at first and still is a little bit, you know, this will be no surprise to you, Dan, from the years of hearing me talk, but like, I am always just so like, I want to get to the next thing. I want to get to the goal, right? I'm just like, I want to get there. I want to go to this thing. So when I'm hiking traditionally like pre-kid Mark was, I had a destination in mind and I was like wanting to go as fast as we can, as hard as we can to get to that place. So I was like the speed hiker, didn't take a second to, t- to look at anything else. And with kids, especially now, like at first, that first year or two, whenever it could ride on my back in the baby carrier, I could still do that. But now he's too old to be in anything like that. So we're going at his pace. And he wants to stop and climb on every boulder. He wants to stop and look at every, he wants to look under every log for a worm. He wants to kick every, I don't know, dead worm on the trail and look at it and pick it up. And at first I was like, let's go, let's go, let's keep going, let's keep going. Let's come on. All right, we got we to gotta move to the next one. But I'm getting, I'm realizing more and more the importance of just being okay with all those detours because that's the fun thing for them. Yeah. And And the more I let him, you know, climb on every boulder and do that kind of stuff. Yeah. It slows me down, 
us down. Yeah, we don't go as far. Yeah, we don't ever get to, we never get to these end goals anymore. <laughs> um, but he enjoys it more and then wants to go and do that kind of thing more often. Yeah. And so someday we'll get to the point where he wants to go to an end goal too. And so someday we'll get back to that kind of stuff. And some days, even at this age, he actually gets a burst of energy and really does want to go for a long walk or whatever. And so we still get to do those things. But I think letting them have fun along the way in whatever way they find fun, even if that's different than yours, like that's, that's been important to me. So we bring a lot of snacks, we bring a lot of water. We let them mess around with every little weird curiosity they find along the way. Um, and you know, we do, I think a little bit of bribery, like you talked about. Yeah. Um, lots of times if we're going to go on a hike or a shed hunt or something like that, I'll have like a planned special thing for afterwards. So I was like, all right, guys, we're going to go out on this fun hike. And we always know after a big hike, we're always going to get to get donuts or we're going to get to get ice cream or something like that. So it becomes like a, a special thing, like a big package. Yeah. So there's all these special things around it. And like, even when I have been taking my son up to our deer camp now, up to Kenrobin, I've taken him up there a few times now. And, and with that too, I'm always trying to make these things into special events so it's not just like we're going to go up to deer camp and go deer hunting and expecting him to have fun going up to the cabin but it's knowing that all right when we go up to the cabin we're also going to stop for a special breakfast we'll get whatever you want and we're also going to you know let you pick a candy bar out he never gets to get candy but in this case you know you can have a candy bar when we go up there you know whatever it is like all these special things i'll layer on top of that other thing so that it becomes extra fun for all these other reasons and they begin to associate this extra fun or extra special stuff around these types of outings um so that it's not a burden it's something they look forward to for all of these reasons so what happens when when uh it he you know let's just say hey man dad i think i i think i really like deer hunting and you're like oh shit yes thanks thank the lord this is happening right dad i'm gonna I want to learn about the rut and I want to do all this stuff. And then he gets uh-huh. to this point, he goes out, he makes his move and a deer, <laughs> no deer shows up for like a whole week. And he's like, screw this. I'm done. So like what happens when you take, like when you, when he has the interest, but then you're no longer in control anymore. It's a great question, man. I don't know. I mean, I think that, I'm not there yet. I can't answer that either. Yeah. Yeah. That's a hypothetical. Yeah. I guess my hope is that I think my hope is that all the years leading up to that, this is going back to like how the outdoors, I think can teach kids resilience and like toughness and perseverance. I think hopefully all those years leading up to this point will have instilled in our kids that perseverance, that stick-to-itiveness, that toughness, whatever it is that they need to push through, um, to push through and and get to that next step or that next experience or that next outing or whatever it is. I'm hoping that once they're out there on their own, we've done a good enough job that they can handle those inevitable, you know, down days, those inevitable duds. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think that's like, I, I, we keep going back to this, but I think that just the outdoors, whichever avenue you take, is really, really, really good at training kids for those types of situations. Yeah. You know, training them for life too, because like, I don't know, there's so much other stuff out there, like video games and social, like all the other things that we're talking about, all the, all the banes of society these days. Like there's just so much easy fun. There's easy satisfaction 
participation trophies for everything. Um, it's so easy in so many different ways that I think that giving your kids opportunities to not succeed every time and learning how to deal with that, learning that that's okay, learning to push through those tough times. Um, and maybe that's something that they'll, maybe that's something that becomes more of a thing, you know, when my kids are 10 or 12 versus when they're two and four, maybe that's the case. But, um, but I do think that that's part of it too. Yeah. Yeah. What happens if all of a sudden you've, you've just raised the next Andy May and you didn't even know it. And, (laughs) and so your, your son is just like a slayer when he's a teenager and he all of a sudden he just like clicks for him way earlier than it ever did for us. And now he's becoming a better hunter than you. Does that, does that excitement then turn to animosity for me or for him? No, for you. Cause you've been outshadowed by your son now. <laughs> no, man, that's my greatest hope. <laughs> that's, your... that's my greatest hope is that he will outshine me someday. And I really think he will. I don't know if it'll be hunting, but it'll be something. Um, but I mean, I think about this, like, you know, like I told you, like my outdoor introduction, like my childhood was very, very pedestrian. I got almost, I mean, I had very introductory level in, you know, educations on all things outdoors. Right. And I was, I've still been able to get out there and do some, some legit stuff, I guess. But my son, you know, since the time he was born, he's been like doing what most people would think is like pretty hardcore stuff. Like he lived in, he camped for two months straight, two summers in a row. He's been to the top of nearly to the top of mountains. He's hunted and fished and been doing this kind of stuff. He's only four. Yeah. I can't imagine what he's going to know and be capable of by the time he's 14. I mean, he's going to, I bet you by the time he's 14, he'll be better than me at 40. Yeah. Um, the way it looks right now. Um, it's something, I don't know. Like I said, it might not be hunting. It might be fishing or climbing or biking or whatever. I don't know, but there'll be something, whatever he gets into, I bet you he's going to be crushing it in one way or another. And I think that's what I hope for my kids is that they find a thing. Yeah. I just hope that they have, they find something for me. It's been hunting and fishing, but I, one of my greatest hopes is that they find something that, that just revs their engine, that gets them excited, that they're passionate about, that they are driven to get better at, to learn about, to dive fully into. And and my hope is that something outside, because I think those outside things are good for you. But I, I just think about, I look at other people I don't know, across the world or whatever that don't have a thing like we do. And I think how boring or how aimless that must be sometimes to have your only hobbies be watching sports on TV and playing video games or binge watching Netflix or whatever. Um, I'd be lost if I didn't have like these outdoor things that like my life revolves around, yeah. like our, our calendar cycles through. Yeah. Um, so I'm just hoping they can find something they can be passionate about that they can give their all and that they can, you know, grow from. Yeah. And, and I think that there's plenty of opportunities in the outdoors for them to find something that clicks like that. Yeah. I don't know. That's the goal. That's the end game, right? Yeah, man, it really is. I gotta say, it's so cool to see the baby steps along the way for that. Absolutely. Um, I mean, there's so many stories, so many things like that. One of the coolest, I don't think we've talked about this, Dan, if we did tell me, but I don't think I told you yet, but last year I took my son out a couple times to help me recover deer. And his excitement to help me go find a deer just through the roof. But what was really cool 
was the fact that he can see red in dark situations way better than I can. So he is tracking my deer for me better than I can, Dan. Already at age, and this he was three years old. At three years old, he's like a bloodhound. He's like, there's blood, there's blood, there's blood. And he's going and on like a 150-yard blood trail through the swamp, leading the way. And he, he yells at me if I try to go in front of him. He's like, no, Dad, I want to be the leader. I want to be the leader. And he's taking me to my deer. Um, I mean, that kind of stuff, those little moments like that is just like, a Super Bowl trophy for me yeah. as a dad. It's just like the coolest thing to see those little successes along the way. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I, uh, I think about that a lot, especially cause I, I killed my deer this year on a weekday. And so the kids had school and that it would have been the perfect blood trail, right? I watched the deer drop, but it was kind of, it was like 40 or 50 yard track job, but I watched him drop. Right. And I was like, man, that would be cool if I could get the kids down here. So like, I want to I want to start spending a little bit more time closer to home so I can get them involved in this in that aspect of it too. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know, we'll see. We'll see. It, it's uh it's fluid at this point. So, I've got one last question for you. Yes, sir. And I was asked this question myself, I don't know, a few weeks ago. Um and I I hadn't really figured out an answer for myself terribly explicitly but but I'm curious if you have thought at all about how if if how or if or when you teach your kids about like conservation oh yeah have you have you have you thought about that do you try to do that in some kind of purposeful way or are you letting it kind of naturally happen what are your thoughts on like how do we instill that value in our kids how do we show them that how do we teach them about that kind of stuff um What's, what's that been like, or what does that mean for you? It's, uh, it actually, although the active, the active part of that isn't really happening. Like we've never done any type of, I mean, well, I take that back. My, my kids, uh, every year somewhere in in July, we get like three or four big trash bags. Right. And we go to some of the public, uh, land down by where I live. And we clean up the parking areas, right? We just pick up the big, the big things that we can and load a couple trash bags in and throw it in the back of the truck. And, and, uh, or when we drive down a certain road, there's a certain road that, uh, leads to our town that has public land on one side of it. And there's always beer cans and trash in it. And we'll, we'll pick that up. So that aspect of it is there, right? And so that it takes, an army of people. It just, it takes a a whole community. Now what you've done in one day doesn't seem like a lot, but if you do this every day, or if a whole bunch of people do this, right, then it becomes, then you have all these hours and all this energy that's been put into keeping mother nature clean and healthy. So every time I see like a, a wood duck in a, in a, like coming out of a box or, you know, or some an example of that. Like, why do, why do we have birdhouses on, on here? Or why do we do this? Or why do we do that? And just explain to them. And it may not sink in. It's like some people who think that they can, you know, play, play something while they're sleeping and they'll, they'll subconsciously remember it later. 
Okay. So that's the approach that I'm currently taking when it comes to conservation is just explaining to them whenever the opportunity presents itself. And, and if you look for it, it's there a lot and, and you can say, Hey, yeah. Hey dad, you see that Fox or that, that Turkey? I'm like, Hey, did you know that right now that the, the Turkey population is struggling a little bit in the state of Iowa? And it's because, um, one of the thoughts is that there's an over, you know, an overpopulation in raccoons. Oh, really? I didn't know that they eat eggs. Yeah, actually raccoons are, are what they call a nest predator. And, you know, like, and having those conversations yeah. with them all the time. And I think, and, and a lot of it has to do with um, watching conservation shows like on Nat Geo or, yeah, yeah. you know, something, it doesn't even have to be North American related. Like, hey, check the, these guys here. All they do all day long is protect elephants, right? Or a rhinoceros or something like that. And, or when we go on our hikes and we see someone with a shovel fixing a, one of those railroad tie steps on a, on a trail. That's how I learned. That's how like yep. my dad and my, me and my brother would go camping all the time. And he taught us about conservation through like the, the county conservation boards and the state parks and things like that. And how it takes a team of people to make something like this successful and then talk a little bit about the details and, and maybe, uh, you know, like, Hey dad, what's this animal? Oh, that's actually an animal that's extinct or that how, you know, cert, like the Buffalo isn't necessarily really wild anymore because of what we did in the past and, and how certain mm -hmm. people thought it was important to keep this out and, and start talk. Just, it's just conversation really at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's basically the same Avenue I've taken. I've, I've taken like, I've kind of thought of it in like a three, a three layer approach. Like, Number one is just doing what we've talked about this whole podcast, which is just getting them exposure to the outdoors and helping them de develop a love for it, right? Because yeah. I think that's step one. Like you got to love something first before you're willing to fight for it or work for it or whatever, right? You get to care for it. So step one is like helping them develop that love. And then step two is kind of like you said, like lead by example, like live in a way so that when your kids look at how you live and they see how they grew up, they will kind of see conservation in action through small daily practices. So like, you know, like you said, like going out and picking up trash, that's a thing that I've tried to do with our kids too. And like, it's a fun thing and you're making a little difference or like talking about, this is why we recycle or whatever it is. Like, this is why we're planting trees. Um, and so do these little things throughout life while showing it. It's not just, Oh, well telling them something. It's not just telling them. It's actually showing like, Oh yeah, this is a thing we do. This is a thing that our family does. Um, I think that, year after year after year will I think sink in and then finally just like what you said I think like taking every little opportunity to educate in small simple child-friendly ways about you know just teaching about animals or how animals live or interact or small ways that we can help and talk about kind of like hey you know it's you know part of our our duty is to try to give back part of what we try to do is take care of these things um and keep it simple, but I think that that stuff like starts to become a part of who they are. If day after day, hike after hike, fishing trip after fishing trip, hunting trip after hunting trip, they learn little tiny things along the way like what you talked about. I think that stuff starts to sink in and grow and it all goes back to developing that foundation. And then I think the hope is that when they're 16 or when they're 21 or whatever, all of that love for the outdoors, all of that seeing how their family operated in a way that was you know, uh, giving back to 
the natural world in some kind of way. And then I think all these little lessons, small child-friendly lessons over the course of their lifetime, I think all of that gives them this foundation to then do something with it when they are adults themselves. And hopefully they'll love it enough to want to try to do something good too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's, I don't think it's complicated. I think it's, I think that that's a simpler thing than maybe a lot of the other things we talked about. It's like, if you love it and you show that we should care about it, I think naturally that will grow within them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I, I really think what you said earlier about shedding some of the waste in your life, like, dude, I don't watch TV anymore. Uh, if I yeah. do watch TV, I'll, I, I'm going to put an asterisk by that. Cause I just finished Ozark, um, this week. <laughs> so is that pretty I, good from about, yeah, from about, uh, nine to 11 this whole week after the kids are in bed, I, I've been binging that show. I'm done with it. And so, but on an average week, man, I don't even, li- I watch the news in the morning to get the weather and that's it for mm-hmm. the most part. Uh, and I'm yeah. either playing basketball outside with my son or I'm, you know, working or whatever the deal is. So I, I'm, I'm, sh- I'm getting rid of the waste, the stuff that's not important. And I'm putting into what, you know, putting more of what is important into the, into the daily routine. And I think, uh, that seems to be, to be working so far. Yeah, man. hundred percent agree with that. Getting rid of TV. We, we don't even have a TV at our Idaho place at all. So we don't, we don't even have a TV here to watch. So getting rid of that has been a huge thing. Now we do have a tablet, so we'll let the kids watch some stuff occasionally on there. But then deleting Facebook and Twitter off my phone was another one. Now I still have Instagram because I just got to keep posting stuff on Insta, but getting rid of Facebook and Twitter has just like, this is kind of a topic totally separate, but it has just cleared up so much mind space for me and and a little bit of real time. But then also just like peace of mind has been amazing getting rid of that crap. Um, so yes to you trying to prune the dead branches in your life in whatever form that comes in, I think. Yeah, man, I, 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 running this business is one of those like social media is a, uh, what do they call that? A necessary evil, necessary evil, necessary yeah. evil on certain aspects of it. And just doing what I do for promotion of the podcast and, and the network and things like that. So what, like the, the deep down inside of me, I don't want that anymore. So yeah. I don't, I mean, I will want my business and I want my podcast, but I don't want social media. Like I just still, still to this day, I'm, I'm on it way less than I used to be, but I'll get into yeah. a, a scroll hole is what I call it. Uh-huh. And you're just like, uh, uh, what am I doing? I'm not even reading any of this shit. It's like, it's just yeah, like habit. And so, so I put it down and I've deleted you know, certain things and I only do what's like, what's really important to me. And, and so, uh, just like, again, trying to get rid of as much waste as humanly possible. Yeah, man, that's uh it's great for your mind and it's a great way to get a little outside time. That's so. fact, Jack. So buddy, I got one last question for you. I already told you I had one last question, but I got one more. Okay. Uh, the one more question is just what's new with Sportsman's nation. Where can people find the latest? Uh, what, what should people know? Yeah. So, I guess my question is, when is this going to launch? Uh, this is going to launch, so not today, May 5th, but uh, like May 12th, I okay. think, so next Thursday. So I'll just, I'll just say this. Right now, the Sportsman's Nation is going through a very small rebrand where 
Uh, I'm getting this new website, and so it's gonna be it's gonna be a name change from Sportsman's Nation to Sportsman's Empire, so sportsmansempire.com. And so nothing's really changed with the network. Tons of great content coming out of it. A whole bunch of different content coming out of it. We got um, more podcast joining the network. The nine finger Chronicles is still going to be on there. And so it's, uh, we're, we're slowly transitioning into, uh, from sportsman's nation to sportsman's empire. And, and so I'm excited about that. And, and other than that, man, it's just like putting out a ton of content. I think June is going to be like a flood of content. We're going to be putting out so much cool stuff and, and all the other uh, content providers for the network are, are jacked and, and doing well. And so I'm, dude, I'm, I'm really excited. Uh, I'm really excited to keep moving forward and see the, the business grow and, and shit, like hire somebody. I'm actually thinking about hiring somebody right now, which is crazy nice. to, to have an, I guess what I would call an employee, which is nuts to think of. Uh, and, That's awesome. and so just continuing to move forward, man. That's all, you know, don't look back, I guess. Yep. That's awesome, dude. Good for you. Yep. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear it. It's been awesome to watch. So uh, keep on working hard, buddy, but not too hard. Take a little yeah. time. That's right. Get out there, breathe that fresh air. I'm going to try all, all I can. I just need, like, the Midwest kind of sucks this year, man. It's been wet and raining. Dude, and, it has. And so I'm ready for I'm ready for a straight like week of sunshine so I can get stuff done. I want to go hang trail cameras back out. I want to put mineral back out. I want to go mushroom hunting. I want to go fishing. Like all this stuff that I want to uh, pack into like this summer. So come on out to Idaho, dude. I'm sitting here in my driveway on my little camp table, sitting outside. I'm looking at the mountains, the sun's shining. It's beautiful and it's just calling your name, Dan. I know, dude. I, I tell you what. Day 1 would be awesome. Like, oh, Mark, our families, blah blah blah. Day 2 you'd be like, Jesus, <laughs> when are the Johnsons going to leave, man? When are they going to leave? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. But uh there's a lot of fun stuff to do out here. I know there is. So, I know keep there in is. mind. Keep in mind. All right, buddy. Thanks for hopping on. This yeah, is fun. Anytime, man. All right, and that's a wrap. Appreciate you listening. Hope you enjoyed this one. Uh, be sure to stay tuned for more on this topic. Definitely on my Instagram account. I talk about my kids and my challenges and lessons learned and things I've figured out in the outdoors with my kids a lot on there. So if you're not already following me on Wired to Hunt, look up Wired to Hunt on the Instagram platform. Uh, lots there. And then, like I mentioned at the top, Steve's new book, Outdoor Kids in an Inside World. It's available anywhere books are sold. Highly recommend checking it out. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. So until next time, thanks for tuning in. I appreciate you and stay wired to hunt. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Outdoor Adventure won't wait for engine problems. 
Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on Seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. 